Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. Today we have the privilege of hearing Lori Ganeer speak. Do you know what matters most to God? People. Lori is going to challenge us to out-love, out-give, and out-serve those God leads into our life. He wants to make a difference through you. Are you willing to love people like Jesus did? We hope you enjoy this message. The impact of, of our guest speaker. Last year, our superintendent resigned, and as he resigned, um, we as pastors got to nominate statewide. All the pastors across Wisconsin and Upper Northern Michigan came together, and we nominated who we wanted to be <clears throat> considered for the new superintendent. And I remember one of the names that they read off, and I remember the crowd's reaction. They read off Lori Kinnear. And when she instantly heard from God not now no and she came up and she had to withdraw her name and the whole place was like no I am telling you men and women across this state northern Michigan and other areas have watched her and her husband's ministry they have followed they have just been so blessed and anointed as I know you're going to be today but I'm telling you this is I have so much respect for her. And so, Lori, please come and bless us this morning. We love you. This is my sister. You need to stop telling that story. Every time she tells a story, my makeup gets funny. <laughs> you know when God tells you no. And if you don't be obedient to God, it only gets bad. Good morning. I am so blessed to be here. I, to say that I was blessed being with you ladies the last couple days is just a, I, I, don't, I don't know what better word there is. I, Cheryl treated me like a queen. I texted my husband. I said, no one has ever done for me what these people have done. Such kind, wonderful, generous women in this church. Just an honor to be up here. So thank you. Um, my husband Rick isn't here this weekend. He had originally planned uh, to spend some time with our son, who's going through some major struggles in his life. and uh, But as it turned out, his aunt passed away, and he had a funeral to attend to. So he's not here. But this is a picture of our herd. <laughs> Aren't we great? When we are all together, there are 18 of us, and man, do we have fun. Um, if our kids know how to do anything, it's how to make fun of each other and laugh. Um, Rick and I have been married almost 50 years now. Um, you should all be going, no way you look like you're 30. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> but we do have four adult children, and we have seven grandchildren, and another one coming in a couple of weeks. And I said, you cannot have that child when I'm in Siren. It's five hours away. So <laughs> hold off. Um, Anyway, we have great, great time with our family. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about them this morning, but they are my heart, and uh, God has done some miraculous things in our family. Quick promo for my books. Um, for those of you that weren't there this weekend, there's a, a picture of them. Two of them are devotionals, and one is a book on relationships. This pyramid was a book that was birthed out of a time that God took me through where I realized that that foundation of my life is so critical and keeping things in such order in my relationship with God because the light of that relationship shines up through every other relationship in my life. So it talks about marriage, it talks about family, it talks about church because we can be funky donkey, you know? 
sometimes with each other. Um, so it deals with all that. And then it also deals at the end with some very difficult relationships with which most of us have at least one. Um, so um, no pressure. They're back there if you want them. Uh, you can stop and, and pick them up. They do cost um, $10 a piece, two for 18 or three for 25 So before we begin, can we quick, quick pray? Father, that you would be here with us. God, you know there isn't a time that I grab a microphone that I say, Holy Spirit, if you don't show up, this girl can sit down. So we ask you to do what only you can do in our hearts this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Relationships, we all have them in our life. Some of them really good, some of them not so. Some of them so much fun that we laugh until our sides hurt. We did that a lot. You'd think Cheryl and I knew each other for years. There are some relationships that are just a lot of hard work. And then there are neighbors. Um, some of you have really good neighbors, probably. Where we live now, we live in kind of a bedroom community. So people are gone working all day, and most of them are professionals, and they don't come home till late at night. You know, they wolf down their supper, they go to bed, they get up in the morning, and they leave again. So we don't know them. We know the people that live directly next to us, but beyond that, we know very few people, and I don't like that. Because I feel like I, I can't, I have to be able to intersect in some way. God places us places for a reason. Some of our relationships are very solid, very deep. Some that we would literally lay our lives down for. But then there are most of us that have some broken relationships. Some that maybe were really good. And some that are broken now that need repair. And sometimes, if we're honest, we're not sure we want to put the work into what it's going to take to repair them. But yet, as Christians, we know, Romans 12, 18 says, do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Proverbs 16, 7 says, when people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies live at peace with them. How many of you know living with your enemy can be tricky? There may be some here this morning that you're estranged from people you wish you weren't. You may be estranged from your kids. You may be estranged from parents or another family member or estranged from a good friend. Maybe those ones that are supposed to love you, but they don't. Sometimes we don't even like them. But they're family, so we got to love them. I learned that principle back when us kids were, I don't know, I must have been eight maybe. And my cousin Don was a pistol. I don't know what he did to get on his mother's nerves, but she said, son, I love you, but boy, I don't like you right now. <laughs> and I was like, so I internalized that. I thought about that a lot growing up. <laughs> maybe you have some in your life, either family, friends, They've made unhealthy choices, sinful choices, and they're far from God. Sometimes they call themselves Christians, but yet they continue to live in destructive behaviors. Then there's those people that we don't know very well, yet they are people within our sphere of influence. Sometimes we're afraid to talk to them because we just don't think we have much in common with them. There are those maybe that choose to live Alternative lifestyles, blatantly living in sin. I especially bring that up because recently God had me switch hairdressers. 
And for you women, you know, that's a tough sell, right? I've been going to the same guy for 20 years, right? He knows me, knows what I like. And God said to me, I want you to go see Amy. I was like, all right, I can do that. So I talked to my guy, and I said, Brian, he's a Christian. I said, Brian, I feel like God is saying he wants me to go to Amy. He said, what's with Amy? I mean, she's competition to him, right? So what's with Amy? And I said, Amy has chosen to live an alternative lifestyle. She's a friend. She used to come to me for counsel. I love her and her son. But she divorced her husband. She's living with a woman. And she believes that Christians hate her. So I feel like God is telling me, go sit in her chair. Brian says, girl, sometimes ministry takes place this side of the chair. Sometimes it takes place sitting in the chair. You go sit in the chair. So I started going to see Amy with the sole purpose to let her know I don't hate her. Because if they think we hate them, they think God hates them. So we spent a lot of time just having fun with Amy, laughing, talking about silly things just like we always used to. Sometimes we don't know how to navigate through people's sinful choices. Or maybe sinful messes that we've made that have affected other people. And we don't know how to begin to repair the bridge. Sometimes we're not even sure. Sometimes the dumb bridge is burned down, and we're not sure we even want to go through the trouble of rebuilding it. It's a weird thing. But I think that our perception about people has to change. We can't allow their sin, their brand of sin, to, to define who they are as people. Jesus never did. We can't expect people that don't have a relationship with God to act right. I remember people getting all freaked out because Lauren Dangle was on Ellen. Come on. How do you expect her to act right? She makes no claims to be a Christian. That's all I'm going to say about that. Maybe their relationship with God is so new that they don't even know what's right or wrong yet. You know, that was me for a long time. I accepted Christ, and he changed my life dramatically, but boy, I continue to mess up. And the people around me didn't swarm around me and say, well, now, Lori, you know, you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't be doing that. They just love me. Pastor, you're going to find this funny. We were in the church, and... We were doing a Thanksgiving outreach. We collected clothes and food and stuff, and I got in touch with the Salvation Army, and it's kind of been my M.O. most of my life. And I was pretty new. So we got stuff laying all over the, the downstairs of the church, and I needed a cigarette break. So I went digging through the cupboards looking for an ashtray, and I'm like, what kind of church is this? They got no ashtrays in there. <laughs> And everybody with me, they were just as new as me, so they were like, I don't know, what kind of church is this? <laughs> then pastor walks in the door. And I had a candle holder as my ashtray. And pastor walks right in and says, glory to God, how y'all doing? And then he proceeds to help us full close, never said a word. 
a long time later, a long time later, Holy Spirit dealt, me with, dealt with me with that. And I said, Pastor, how come you never said anything? There was a lot of things he never said anything about. He said, Lori, my job is to love you. My job isn't to fix you. The Holy Spirit does his job, and I do mine. When we try to fix people, we push them further and further away. They begin to see us as legalistic and see that that's what the real issue is, that we have, they have to then be good enough to be a part of us, and they can't be good enough to match up to God's standards. Broken people just need a fresh touch from God. They just need to know that God loves them. Even Christians, so many are broken. I was broken. Numerous times in my walk with Christ, I've been broken. Thank God people didn't try to fix me. There was only one man that tried to fix me one time, and I was like, you know what, dude, take it the other side of town. I, I'm not listening to you right now, and I got right up and walked out. So the question that I want to pose goes back to, I don't know, in the 90s, what would Jesus do? I think sometimes we need to ask that question because otherwise we pick up wrong battles. We pick up issues rather than what would Jesus do? I believe that he would reach beyond barriers straight into the lives of people. And he would not act like the Pharisees. You know the only ones that he jumped all over? and flipped tables and did all kinds of stuff was the Pharisees, Pharisees who thought that they had to have rules and regulations for everybody. Just maybe, in their brokenness, they need to see that God loves them. In Luke chapter 10, it's a scripture I'm sure you're familiar with. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. And he said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, well, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Guy wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who of us would try to justify that conversation? Who is my neighbor? But Jesus did what he always does, and he cuts right to the heart of the matter, and he told a story. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. The priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, passed by on the other side. The priest, the guy that should have stopped. So, too, a Levite when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. When a, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you any extra expense that you may have. We've all heard that story. I think probably at some time, if we're honest, we'll say we struggled with that story just a little. Haven't we all had times that we've passed by somebody in need? 
I wish I could stand here and tell you that I wasn't like the priest or the Levite that at some point had passed by someone in need. Jesus was clear in the telling of this story that everyone that comes across our path, there are no mistakes of where you are at any point in any day. God has a plan. Because people matter to him. Eternity is long and time is short. People matter to God. This man was right where God needed him to be. I believe that God is calling each one of us to be Jesus with skin, with everybody in our sphere of influence. This guy was not afraid to get the man's sin all over him. That's a whole other message. Sometimes we're afraid to get involved because we're afraid that, I can't get too close to that. But this guy was willing to do whatever it took. Craig Gashel in his book, Hashtag Struggles, said, but to say that you care, but not to act, is not to care at all. We say that we care. In our hearts, we really believe that we care. But when we do nothing, do we really care? The scripture goes on and says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law said, well, the one that had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. It sounds so simple. Yet to us, we make it so difficult. Or we come up with excuses like, well, you know, we just don't have people laying around on the streets here where we live. That's kind of putting God in a box, you think? There's people with need everywhere we go. Take notice. Those that should have done something didn't do anything. Let that never be me or you. Tommy Barnett said, you find a need and you fill it. You find a hurt and you heal it. And again, Craig Rochelle said, but to say that you care and do nothing is not to care at all. So what kind of things did Jesus jump over? What kind of, what kind of boundaries, barriers did Jesus jump over? Because I think you and I, very often, we look at, I've had, I had people say to me, you know, well, oh, I don't know how to minister to an alcoholic. I've never been one. Well, I've never lived that kind of lifestyle. Well, I don't know what it's like to walk in those shoes. But you know what it's like to offer the one with a solution. You know how to just love people. I was telling the ladies at the conference or the retreat, very seldom will people say to you, if you say to them, is there anything I can pray for you for? Very seldom will people go, nah, I'm good. I've talked to some of the hardest thugs on the street in the city of Milwaukee. But I've said, dude, what can I pray for you for? Every one of them has a mama, a dad, a kid, a friend, a friend that they know is laying in the street. Most people, when you simply say, how can I pray for you? Not can I pray for you. That's an easy no. How can I pray for you? Very few people will tell you no. If I allow their sin to define who they are, I won't ask them anything. Jesus 
James Bradford said, people are not worth loving because they fit our preferences or agree with our opinions. They're worth loving because they are the handiwork of God's creative intentions and genius. Then he asked the question, he said, are people labeled or are they loved? Do I label them or do I love them? When you look back at the, the, the woman at the well, her life was pretty messy. But Jesus reached right into her life in a loving way. He didn't condemn her and shame her. He reached right in in a loving way. He crossed so many barriers. And the guy with the, with the, the original story that we were talking about, this man reached across all kinds of barriers. He reached across the racial barrier, first of all. To say that there was tension between Jews and Samaritans is kind of an understatement. There was a, a, a racial barrier that was deep and wide, and Jesus just walked right across it because it didn't define who they were. In the story of the woman at the well, Jesus crossed gender barriers. This kind of freaked out the disciples a little bit. Jewish rabbi's prayer, I'm thankful that I'm neither a Gentile nor a woman. The Samaritan woman was particularly was considered unclean from birth, yet Jesus had conversation with her. He saw her as a person with a need. He crossed, he taught us to cross religious barriers. Samaritans were a religion with a mix of Judaism and paganism. The Jews considered Samaritans to be nothing more than roadkill. Yet, Jesus saw a person with need. Jesus crossed moral, moral barriers. With a woman, in, 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 the Samaritan woman, he crossed a major moral barrier. He didn't talk to a woman, much less a Samaritan woman. But he saw someone with a need. He saw a person in need of living water. To top it off, she became a flaming evangelist, if you recall, she went back to her town, and the scripture says that many came to believe, many came to faith because she shared her story. That's the simplicity of what God is asking us to do. The simplicity of telling people what God has done in our life. Not some wacky brand of Christianity, but simply what God has done in our life. Jesus crossed racial barriers. He crossed gender barriers. He crossed religious barriers and moral barriers. I'm a part of a leadership team in the city of Milwaukee that's called Crossover Milwaukee because my city is full of divides. From its early, early, early years, racial divides, gender divides, economic divides, and we as a church are coming together to make a stand that Jesus cares about all that there are no divisions in the body of Christ. Here's the thing. You and I, no matter how smart we may be, we can't possibly know what somebody needs from God. So we just reach out to people. People are just people. We cannot define them by their mess. I want to I talk just in starting to wrap down here. I learned about the angle scale years ago. Probably you're familiar with it. If you're not, 
um, I hope it'll help you see something. So very often, I used to look at evangelism as a slam dunk. I share the gospel with you. You accept Christ. You pray. Slam dunk. Another name written in the book. But if that's the only way you see evangelism, how else do we reach people? But this angle scale is critical. I'm not going to take all the time it would take me half an hour just to do this. But if we can understand, like, step one, somebody has no awareness of God. Step two, some awareness of God. Step three, a contact with Christian. Step five, investigating Jesus. Step seven, under, understanding the implications of the truth. Step eight, accepting those Christian truths. Ex ex accepting the implications of becoming a Christian and then finally making a decision and then growing in him. When I saw that years ago, I thought, Lori, you've been wearing the wrong spectacles. Girl, change your glasses. If I saw evangelism as simply bringing them up one more step, that's a win. So I'd leave every night and go home and go, Shoo, lots of wins today. I don't know what step they're on. I don't have to know. But if I can bring them just a little bit closer to understanding that God really does love them, that he really does have a plan for their life, just one step closer. And if you're the guy that gets to pray the sinner's prayer with him, bless God. I don't think your reward's going to be any bigger than mine, though. <laughs> and I don't say that pridefully. I think I, what, I, what I mean is we got to get that evangelism is every day right. talking to people, involved in people's lives. And quit looking for the slam dunk. If you're blessed to get it, awesome. I love basketball. I missed my Badger game the other night. Did they win? Oh, hallelujah. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. If we change our spectacles and what we see evangelism to be, we can see how we can be involved in all of it. It's not some program. When I came up in faith, it was all about evangelism programs. Either you knock on the door or you do this or you do that. It wasn't lifestyle. But this is our lifestyle as believers. People are just people. They're just people. I remember when, I want you to get, in wrapping up, I want you to get a picture of how Jesus sees lost people and how passionate he is about finding them. We were in Chicago a couple years with our family. That was a trip, 18 people in Chicago. Whew. Kept our cell phones at all times so we didn't lose anybody. We were sitting in a cafe in one of the museums, I don't remember which. And while we were there, all of a sudden this woman shot up and she started screaming at the top of her lungs a child's name. And she was running around frantically looking for her child. My daughter-in-law, Casey, and I both kicked into gear 
And we ran over to her and said, tell us what does he have on, what kind of clothes. And Casey took off one way and I took off another way and <clears throat> security jumped in. I can't imagine in this sea of strangers the thought of losing a two-year-old with a pacifier in his mouth. We ran. We'll help, we'll help. Casey took off, I took off. As we were running and looking and searching over the deafening screams of this mom, all of a sudden we heard her screaming stop and we heard cheers erupt and we turned around and there was this mom, mascara, running down her face, embracing her child. Embracing a lost child. There isn't a, par isn't a parent that doesn't panic at the thought of our son or your daughter not going to be in heaven. Do we have that same passion for our neighbors and our friends? just need to know the love of God and he's planted us here with that purpose that you and I not just come to church on Sunday mornings though that's awesome and we need to be here to fellowship with each other to praise and worship together but when we walk out these doors is where the mission field starts do we have that same kind of passion family can be the hardest I know People that one time served God can be hard. They just need you to love them. And not tell them what they did wrong. Sometimes, sometimes we have to be able to just ask a question. A simple question. I had to do this with a relative of mine that there was aught between us and I had no idea what even went wrong. And after some time passed, I got sick of it. And I went, God, you got to tell me what to do. So I went over there and I sat down and I said, I don't even know what went wrong. I don't want to banter it. I just want to know, can we start over? Can we start over? And they began sobbing. And we started over. And we never talked about it again. I can't tell you to this day what it was about. I don't know. And I think sometimes there are believers that have wandered away from the faith. And all they need is another Christian to say, I care about you. I love you. Can we start over? Can we just start over? You can make a difference to outgive, outlove, and outserve. The question is will we be that person? Will you and I be that person? Sometimes it gets scary, Joyce Meyer says, so you do it scared. Courage isn't the absence of fear, courage is acting out of your belief system in spite of your fears. So, who's your neighbor? Jesus would ask this morning, who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Anybody that brings and that God brings into your sphere of influence. I talk to everybody. My husband says if there was no people around, I'd talk to a light pole. <laughs> so when you say you never know what she's gonna say, yeah, you and my husband. Mm. <laughs> you know, and maybe you're an introvert and you don't talk to people well. That's okay. I mean, you know, different people relate differently to people. Whoever you are, God will pe bring people into your life for you to be able to connect with. Whoever you are, he's wired you to be who you are. Some of you need to take some leaps of faith.
and open your mouth even when opening your mouth isn't natural for you. You do it scared. And God shows up. So who are those people today? In closing, who are those people? God is simply saying, are you willing to bring them up one more step, one more step, one more step, and just love them. Embrace who they are because God loves them. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. And we praise you, God, for who you are. Lord, you've got a plan to reach people. And and I know that when Jesus left this earth, he made it clear to his disciples that that was their job and that you were placing the Holy Spirit inside of them, that they would have everything they need to do the things and be you with skin to everybody in their sphere of influence. So today, God, I pray for every individual in this room For those people that may have broken relationships that need to be mended, God, that you would give them the courage and the strength to just love. God, for those that have people in their life that are so far from you, show them how to just take one step and show your love. God, that they would see you in me. God, that each one of us this morning would be able to see. Let them see you in me. Not just me and all my craziness, but somehow that they would see you. God, that you love them. God, there are people in my sphere of influence who do not know you. And I know if if the trumpet blew today, they would not go. They deny you, purposefully deny you. But God, I pray in Jesus' name that as you provide opportunity for us to be able to continue to love them, however that might be, that they would begin to see that you do love them. Christians don't hate them. Help us to reach across barriers. Help us reach across relational barriers racial barriers gender barriers God that we would with courage of the Holy Spirit reach across barriers to reach people for Christ keep your heads bowed if that's you this morning and you're saying this kind of hit me in the in the heart And I know there's some things I got to do. Would you just slip up your hand, eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. There's some people that you know you need to talk to. Thank you. I see hands all around. Thank you. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do when your people submit themselves to you. We thank you. We praise you. Let the power of the Holy Spirit rise up within them right now. And God, help them to see and take opportunity that you provide. And we will thank you ahead of time, just like Jesus thanked you before he raised Lazarus from the dead, before he saw any evidence of anything. He thanked you. So we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name.
Well, I think we heard from the Lord, amen? You know, one of the great things about this message today, her and I never contacted. She, she left me a message on my cell phone, and then I responded back to her and left a message on her cell phone. And her message was, Pastor, what do you want me to preach on? And my response to her was, you preach whatever is on your heart. And that was the message that I laid on your heart. So we have never talked about what to preach on or anything. And so uh, praise the Lord. You know, in the New Testament, in NIV, in the NIV, make sure I understand that, that the word love is mentioned 567 times uh, in the NIV. And you know, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says to pursue love. Faith, hope, and what? Love. But the greatest of these is love. And our mission as a church, and you hear me say this all the time, and this is where my heart bleeds, Pastor. Pastor Dennis, this is where... <laughs> I'm so tired of politicking junk. I really am. All I want to do is touch souls. And every time I try to touch souls, then something rises up. It's about Jesus. You just heard it. You know that my son and my daughter, they have uh, people that have AIDS in their church. They have all kinds of different nationalities in their church. And you know what, Randy? They don't sit back and criticize. They don't sit back and point fingers. I want to be the book of Acts. If you come on, my, um, the, Deb, you're there, Barb. You're there. All I want to be is a church without walls. Church without walls. Let's stop being a bunch of Pharisees or hypocrites and say we're Christians and we don't love. I'm not picking saying you're like that, but I'm saying that's what bread I want to be. I want to be so desperately a, just the love. That's all I want to do, Marilyn. And you know what, Judy? It hurts my heart. Dear God, you know me, Pastor. It hurts my heart when the church shoots other people in the church. It just kills me. And all I want to do, Larry, is love people. Let me ask you, who are you pointing fingers at? Pastor, you know what it's like. You hear people all the time, maybe, I can't have this person or that person, this and that. Randy, you're in the business of that too. All it is, all it is, I'm going to love you. Michael, man, I'm so proud of you. You came in here, man, about a year ago, and you were nowhere near really to God. But we loved you to life, and look at you today. Man, can we just be a church that loves? That's all, that's all I want to do, Tamara. That's all I want to do. Let's stop doing this, and let's do this. What can change in me, Helen? Amen. What can change in me? And so thank you. Thank you. Man, I, 
I had no idea what you're going to preach on, but our slogan here is it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, or what you've done. You're loved here at Adventure Church. And I've been trying to preach that for over a year now, a little over a year and two months I've been here now. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, or what you've done. Sometimes we get a lot of people that came from some different backgrounds. and Sometimes it don't feel good because you got a catfish in with a whitefish. And I close with this. Uh, true story. True story. Uh, when they were transporting white fish uh, to different restaurants, <clears throat> they would try to keep them fresh when they would uh, try to transport them or ship them to different restaurants. And when they would freeze them, they would get there and they would be soft and the meat would be soft and it would be kind of, it wasn't fresh and it, so on and so forth. And so they had to just come up with another way. How can we um, get these fish to the marketplaces and make them be fresh? So then they put them in fresh water and they tried to do it that way and uh, they still weren't good and fresh and so on. So one guy um, spoke up and said, hey, um, put some catfish in the tank of these uh, whitefish. And the guy said, a catfish in the tank of the whitefish. And the guy said, yeah, the catfish are the predators of the whitefish. And what happens is when you put them in fresh water, they're not prone to move or be active. They're just going to sit and float and just kind of be inactive and not do their thing. But if you put a catfish in the tank, it keeps them alert, keeps them attentive to what's going on. So sure enough, they put some catfish in the tank. And guess what happened when they shipped the whitefish to the restaurants or to the places where they were being sold at? Those fish were fresh. And they concluded that the catfish, because it was the predator of the whitefish, it kept them on its toes. You know what? That's what sinners are to us. When we ever... God when we ever get to be a church just all about Christians we're going to become soft we're not going to be fresh anymore we're going to become stale we need some catfish the catfish are the sinner so we can clean up to keep us fresh you right and uh, folks I, I just I just want to implore you, please, take off your blinders and let's walk with Jesus. 567 times love is mentioned. But here's one scripture that I, I cling to. Here's what I hold to, uh, to my heart. It says this, that Jesus said he came into the world to love the world and to seek and to save that which was lost. He says that he says that. Do you know when he says that? He says that right after John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Then he says right after that in verse 17 of John 3, 16, 17. He said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. But I came to seek. And I came to save that which was lost that's our mission will you stand with me today I want to remind you please we have the offering plate in the back you know how we do it here and the offering plates in the back and 
Let's bless Lori. Thank you for the word. I'm going to pray over you today, and I want to pray that God will put somebody on your heart, that God will put somebody on your heart, that a catfish will jump in your tank and keep you alert and keep you afresh. Amen? Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for today. Thank you for the word. Lord, let us take our eyes off of prejudice, Lord, of labels and this, that, and the other thing, and let us be about the business of the Lord. And not be worried about all these little tits and tatters of things that destroy unity, mess up the spirit. But Lord, let us be about the business of the Lord, and that's to love people. Not to be so concerned about he or she and what he or she is doing and what they did or this, that, and the other thing. Lord, let us be about the business of the Father. Because that's what it's all about. Lord, in Luke chapter 15, all through that chapter, you give us three demonstrations of love. You left the 99 to go after the one. You found the coin, and you brought back the prodigal son. And it all brought joy into the household, all because you went after the lost. So, Lord, let us, Lord, have the eyes of you. Let us get our eyes off self and get our eyes on the field that is ripe in the harvest. Let us be that church, Lord. Thank you for each person that is here today. Bless them, bless this offering, Lord. I pray that we'll give generously today. We heard the word that challenged us, inspired us, and encouraged us to go forward. We ask God you go with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. To learn more about us or see all our upcoming events, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram by using at Adventure Church Siren or check out our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.